with your old coach at Ogeron, baby. And I got me a nice old old RV, one of the big uh, converted Greyhound buses, you know. Got my team driving around in that. You know, Coach Joe like to fly, but um, I'll go up there to Redneckville, just take the bus, get up there, you know. It's going to be good. I whipped that, I whipped, uh, whipped the ass on that, that McIlwain boy. You know, he thought he'd come in the, the Tiger Stadium. He got experience in SEC. He thought he'd be good, but he wasn't good. I was good. I was victorious, and he was something that rhymes with victorious. And um, if you catch my drift, because I am Coach O, bitch. Well, the New Tigers playing real good. You know, don't don't underestimate us. We're going to be starting an SEC play. We're going to be whooping ass. We're going to be shoving cowbells up people's ass. And, uh, you know, I mean, some teams may be underrated. It may be like uh, one of them guerrilla armies or something like the Viet Cong boys or whatever, you know. It might take people a surprise. But I ain't going to be taking nobody a surprise because I'm going to be kicking ass. I'm going to be taking names. Go Tigers. Warm it all up. Everything you got. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 67. This ain't your house. Not to be confused with, you must protect this house. That was a couple months ago. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Thanks for jumping in, catching the Sports Antidote. We're going to recap last week. Pretty good week, but then all of a sudden it wasn't. Having a good year still, we'll get into that. The mayor of New Orleans continues to just be an absolute disgrace. We're going to play a little clip of her showing off her charm recently in a public setting, drunk again. This time we will cover Nolan Arnato and the snubbing currently happening for the consideration of NL MVP. Our main story around the Viet Cong versus our military. We also have to talk about the BLM versus the vaccination and how you have to have a short-term memory when you're betting the NFL. Bro Exotic will be joining the show today. Tommy Bench will not be joining the show. He has to take care of some stuff uh, with work, so we will be missing him. Dickie Salvo is supposed to come on. I don't know what's going on. I lost touch with him last couple days. Hopefully he can jump on next week to get an NFL guy on here. He's clearly, I just don't talk about the NFL that much. But we will today in regards to the gambler uh, and how important it is to forget what happened last week if you want to be successful betting the NFL. And trust me, I'm not successful betting the NFL. Most people are not, which is why it's the most popular sport. Vegas loves it. Uh, but at the same time, though, I know some of the 101 rules, and we'll get into that, as well as our main story. I might go a little long just because of Bench not being here. But all in all, should be a pretty well-rounded podcast. Be sure and follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote for some hilarious memes and for the updated picks that we don't talk about when the show came out. All our picks were posted on Instagram on Monday, and we got all better lines So be sure and follow us at the Sports Antidote. There's no need for me anymore to get screwed on here by putting up lines too early or too late. Uh, We get them when we get them now, right funneling through the Instagram page. So be sure and do that. And if you're bored, you can follow me at Danny underscore Belts with a Z. I don't really do too much on there. I should do more, admittedly. But anyway, tell somebody about the Sports Antidote. Reach out, touch a brother. Tell someone about the Sports Antidote who's 11-4 and ATS out the gate. Everything documented. We don't monkey around with the record. Let's get right into last week to start things off. So Florida State, wow, what a disaster that was. Go down 14-0. They answer with a solid drive, but 
just quarterback inconsistencies and then injuries and just mishaps. Two fumbles inside the five-yard line for Florida State. I mean, they moved the ball whenever they wanted when they had it. They had, at one point, were outgaining Wake Forest mid-third quarter down by three scores. But when you turn the ball over this much, it is impossible to win. And it just doesn't help that they do the other things you need to do just not well, like tackle. <laughs> Third and short situations, they choke, they can't tackle. It, it, it was a very bad bet. There's no excuses being made. But Florida State is coming back at one form or another into the plays this week. Bear with me. Um, Louisville over. That went over late in the game. And then a pick six threw it way over. A little sweat there at the end, but it was nonetheless the right play. Louisville, much like Florida State, will be in and out of this podcast a lot because of their offensive capabilities. Georgia State, what a circus game that was. They covered 20-9 to in probably what was the most entertaining last two minutes of football. Uh, however, it just was not exactly ideal, to say the least. Uh, but a cover's a cover, right? So we were 2-1 and one at that point and added the Eagles 49ers over which was the lowest scoring pro game of the day on Sunday. So that was wildly pathetic. Belts, why'd you come in late? You know, it just total looked too high. didn't make any sense. And I got a text from one of my people out west, and that kind of threw me over the fence. Uh, one thing we did not post, but I wanted to, we'll be talking about, was I couldn't get to it in time. I didn't want to compromise the integrity of it. But Incarnate Word was getting 11.5 or 11 at Texas State. They went up there one by eight. We'll be talking about Incarnate Word we did a lot last year. Their quarterback, Cam Ward, is a freak show. He could be playing for any college in Texas, but he said that Jesus wanted him to go to Incarnate Word, and who am I to argue with him either way? So a lot of sports coming out of your way. Let's keep it going, though. Um, here's a clip real quick of the mayor of New Orleans. Yeah, we're in and out. Sports, pol- sports politics. You know what? Here's a message from Alec Baldwin if you don't like it. But LaToya Cantrell, the mayor of New Orleans, is wildly incompetent, and she likes to get drunk in public. This is, if I played this clip for you, you would not think this is a mayor. And this thing goes on for two minutes. I just Here's 25 seconds of the drunk mayor of New Orleans talking to a probably an Orleans tax-paying citizen who is just totally getting – it reminds me of uh, uh, kind of like the Dave Chappelle. She's like, hooray for me when he's like, hooray for me, Billy. Ga, 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 ga. You know, when he's beating the cancer-ridden patient in street hoops. And she's like – the way she says me is classic. I, you know, I, could do a, I could do a whole show on this. But anyway, here's LaToya Cantrell for those of you who don't know what's going on inside New Orleans. Here you go. As you can hear, she is an absolute train wreck <laughs> and somehow is basically running unopposed. I mean, it's just the whole thing's a joke in New Orleans. It just tourism's down. They won't even let, she wouldn't even let the workers that came down to fix all the power lines, she wouldn't even let them eat in restaurants because they weren't vaccinated. Like, she made sure they couldn't, that the, the help could not, the help, that the people down here helping were not able to go into, especially, yeah, we'll call it the help. It's segregation all over again. That's all it is. It's ridiculous. A lot of the black community down here is unvaccinated. So congratulations, far crazy left. You've once again 
You, the Democrats did segregation once down here, and they've done it again. So congratulations to the far left and people that vote with the D behind their name, particularly those that are really – I'm just kidding. But those who are far, far left, just really – it's just getting more and more ridiculous. Speaking of – oh, I'm transitioning here. Speaking of ridiculous, Nolan Arnato. So for those who don't remember, he was traded from the Cardinals, from the Rockies to the Cardinals, third baseman, just an all-around one of the best players in baseball that you've never heard of because he comes from a small market. So as of last week, he's had a rough few days since the last podcast, but as of last week, he was second in the NL and RBI and tied for fourth in home runs. He also is going to win the gold glove at third. He's batting about 265. That's not that good. But <laughs> second in RBI, fourth in home runs, winning a gold glove, and the Cardinals have won 10 in a row and are surging into the playoffs. You'd think he'd be at least in the top five. He's not even on the listing. How is that possible? Yet, yet, Tatis Jr., who albeit is amazing, leads the NL almost in strikeouts, leads the major leagues in errors, <laughs> but yet we love him so much. He's like minus 300, and he's missed a bunch of games. Yeah, I just don't understand this. How is Arnado not even in... The top Joey Votto's in the top five. What? Again, second. Go check these if you don't believe me. As of five days ago, so it's just it's ridiculous. Major League Baseball, the voters are out of control, just like they are in the, with the Hall of Fame, drunk with power, much like the teachers, like the teachers union. Just ridiculous. So yeah, we're not exactly. I'm I'm scratching my head on that, um, and I'm also scratching my head on this BLM issue. You see, BLM right now is now against. Making black people be vaccinated? You, you can't make this up. So here we are, BLM, the definition of the far left, is now attacking the far left for making them be vaccinated. <laughs> so, Nadi, so now we agree this podcast aligns with BLM for the first time other than Bro Exotic coming on. I mean, how incredible is that? Who would have thought the one big unifier is this administration? They've united me with BLM because now we agree on something. You shouldn't have to be told to get vaccinated. <laughs> I mean, you just can't make it up. And lastly, before we get into our story, NFL short-term memory. So important you do this. Look at week one. Saints clobber Green Bay. Winston throws five touchdowns. He's going to take the Saints to the Super Bowl. It happens next week. Rodgers looks amazing on national television like he usually does. And the Saints get clobbered by Carolina. Carolina's future over seven and a half looking pretty ripe. Uh, and Tampa can't guard anyone. They're deep. That game was so over. If you didn't see the, the, the Bucks game... The Falcons score a late touchdown, go for two, get it, to tie it 28-25, or excuse me, to go down by three points. And then they got Matt Ryan throws two pick sixes to look like it was some massacre as Brady continues to throw two-yard touchdown passes to wide-open people. I mean, congratulations. They just want him to be MVP so badly. It's just so pathetic. The T- Tampa is a paper tiger. Paper tiger. They're not good. And we'll be getting into that coming in to the Instagram page because there's a good chance that we're going to be taking the Rams out West versus an overrated Tampa Bay team. They were overrated last year, seriously, and they are this year. So that's how I feel. NFL, the short-term memory. So again, Pittsburgh did the same thing, right? They go clobber Buffalo, and then what happens? Then they go host the Raiders at home. <laughs> Raiders dominated the entire football game. If you want to make money in this league, and I see people that do, you almost have to find a handful of teams you're willing to bet for and bet against. Everyone asked me how I felt about the Saints-Cardinals this week. I said, I don't think they have a chance, and they were never in that football game. Albeit the Saints had to leave a bunch of coaches at home, and they had injuries. Yes, we get it. 
I'm not sure even a full healthy team would have stopped the storm that was the Panthers on that day. As they executed, as Coach says, in all five phases of the football game. And they're going to be a load, especially with that coaching staff. So you just need to literally forget. Look at the opening line. If it doesn't make sense, target it. Look at it closer. Don't look at how teams do historically in certain places. That does not apply in professional sports, particularly in pro football. If you go by that measure, you will not win. That's more of a baseball thing more than anything. Um, but you need to get just get away from that. And also, aside from opening line, do not look at what they did the week before. And it doesn't matter about the week after, only if there's a buy. It's opening line and try to bet the thing that makes the least amount of sense. <laughs> like You would have done that in week one. You would have made a ton of money. And if you had done that in week two after what you saw week one, you would have made a ton of money. But the, my logic there is when I say forget what happens last week, I mean you need to reset the slate because pro football teams have a tendency to reboot real quick. Uh, and, and it can be like the term any given Sunday is what it sounds like, right? I mean, it, it's what it is. So I just find that when people say, do you see what they did last week in pro football? You need to forget that really. Or completely bet against it is what I'm saying. The Saints looked ripe to bet against that stupid short number there. They shouldn't have been favored. Among with other teams last week where you kind of know. Now you can't get in trouble with these revenge games. Like everyone was on the Bills last week. Oh, no, the Bills are mad. It's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Don't know if that really applies. I mean, you would have won, but I just think you need to look at the opening line, look what looks goofy, forget what you saw last week when it comes to betting for a team. Be prepared to bet against teams the next week. There's a difference between betting with and betting against, to be honest. Typically, I bet against teams than I bet for, unless we're dealing with with over-unders and such. So anyway, with that being said, that is uh, how to do it in pro as far as I'm concerned. And take it from me, I see a lot of people... Uh, lose money uh, in pro football, and it's just almost, you can almost bet on, I, if I could bet on, we'll call it the majority of my friends in this league I'm in, if I could bet on the majority of games they are after what I saw last week, I'd be a millionaire. I could have told you everyone had the Saints. People had the Saints in Survivor Leagues, for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, you got to have your head examined for doing that. Because they pummel Green Bay in Jacksonville, really? Like, you know, that's just insanity. Anyway... Let's get into the nitty-gritty. This ain't your house. So, as I alluded, we're going to the Vietnam War. Quick history, I guess, summary for you. If you didn't know, Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, November 1st, 1955, is when this thing really began, ending April 30th, 1975, a clean 20 years in Saigon. We all know the ending there. If you don't see Afghanistan ending, and you will basically understand how it ended in Saigon. It was bad. Now, the blood of our soldiers' hands are beyond many different presidents, but at the height of this whole thing would have to be the summer of 1968, um, when the war was at its pinnacle. Uh, if you had to, so to speak, that was basically, if I had to if I had to put money on calling it the pinnacle, that'd be it. Some historians disagree, but that's when we had dispatched the most troops there, 184,000. So tough to argue that it's not the pinnacle when we have the most lives to be lost uh, over there in that jungle. And make no mistake, a jungle it was. I remember General Westmoreland, who passed away in his home city in Charleston, South Carolina. I did a show on this a couple years ago. I waited on General Westmoreland at the Country Club of Charleston every time he came in. His family, great people, great guy, uh, and just put in an unwinnable position. So most people shit on him and shame on you. 
because you can all, it's just like being a quarterback in the NFL or in college. You're only as good as the guys in front of you. Take Patrick Mahomes and throw him on the Jets. What do you think? They're going to be good? No, they're not. There's a reason why Matt Castle was able to win 11 games after Brady went down early in 2008. It's because the Pats were built for success, but their offensive line was amazing. Something Tom Brady has been afforded his entire football career. Just a point is all I'm saying. I don't want to get into Tom Brady fest here, but boy, I could. And I don't dislike Tom Brady. I'm just, I'm just a little, he could, let's stick to this. I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyhow, so during Lyndon Johnson's presidency there in 68, we had a rack of people uh, that would be up in that war to the tune of basically almost 200,000 if you count other supporters and people that were there, people there from all kinds of countries trying to stop the conflict basically what's happening in Afghanistan. So this is very startlingly similar to what's going on there. The Taliban would just be the North Vietnamese, and we're not about communism. So Belts, that's not exactly why you get it, all right? You don't need to break out the Britannica here. Jeez. So in, in this instance, it's, it's, it's noteworthy. There were some several huge battles, and one of the largest battles of note, that would be the Battle of Hugh, but I'm getting out of line here, so let's kind of kind of revert back to line here. But um, there was a time when the Viet Cong had attacked 13 cities in the central part of South Vietnam. This was also during 68. We lost a ton of lives. There was a raid on the U.S. Embassy building, if you remember that. Uh, 18 of the 19 Viet Cong uh, were, were dispatched of. We killed them, but they did a lot of damage with just having minimal, you know, minimal capabilities. And that attack on the embassy would be the first time the United States citizens actually saw live coverage of what was happening in Vietnam. So you can imagine propaganda, I mean, our media not, you know, being woke, probably definitely against the war as most people. And by the way, you know, can you imagine you just, you're, you're we'll get into that in a second. I, I'm so much to say here. I'm <laughs> just tripping over myself. But at the same time, though, the Battle of Hue, like we said, at the ancient citadel, lost 150 Marines. Uh, a battle that easily could have been won, but again, you know, we're just not wanting to win. Uh, killed about 400 South Vietnamese that were aiding us. But with that, we killed about 5,000 North Vietnamese uh, Viet Cong. And the thing, and the reason being is because in this particular battle, they were not in their current setting. See, what made this army so reputable, so dangerous, and so underrated was that this was their house. Okay, so let's take a step back. You're a 17-year-old in, in the mid-60s, okay? And you're not going to go to college. You're going to work at Uncle Fucky's Collision Center and change oil and do this. Okay, great. But you get a letter in the mail from Uncle Sam that says, I want you. I need you, whatever the hell it is. And you have a choice. You could be like Bill Clinton, go dodge the draft and protest it on foreign soil, treasonous scumbag. Or you can do what... I say easily, most people did, but at the same time, I've never gotten a letter in the mail saying you have to go fight overseas, so what do I know about it? But I'll tell you this, uh, most of the kids went, and they went to these makeshift boot camps. Can you imagine, you know, you're, you're thinking about prom, you're thinking about baseball, and you're having to go fight the Viet Cong three weeks, three months later after some makeshift boot camp because we needed bodies on the ground, warm blood syndrome, we needed it badly over there. And you're fighting against these guys who have been training forever. What do you think? They wait till they're out of school? School? There is no school. These guys are like, you know, the Chechnyans. They know how to hold a firearm when they're nine. So you are fighting against an opponent that's been training for years, a decade. They're training these kids when they were 11. 
You're going to be fighting a 19-year-old man, not a boy, a man who's going to be fighting against an 18-year-old boy on our side who just got finished playing baseball and now is fighting these guys. And these guys don't have time to be woke. The Viet Cong doesn't have time to worry about gender inclusion and cultural and racial appropriation. They got one thing to worry about, Americans, and they were good at killing them. Really good. They incorporated guerrilla warfare. I don't think people quite understand what that means. It wasn't just the trees, it was tunnels. And they knew this area big time. This is their house. We go over there, the ultimate home field advantage. It's almost like the minotaur inside the maze. I mean, how's it get more? These guys know the terrain. And by the way, you were training over there in Paris Island or in San Diego if you're a Marine or whatnot. How many rainforest simulations can we do in the United States? Let's see. There's a rainforest in well, one, two, zero. There's none. So you're literally going to the jungle to fight an enemy you, don't, you can't even see and you can't train for properly. I mean, how can you, know, how can you do that? It's, it's ridiculous. Started training these kids so early and we got, we got our boys out there just getting slaughtered. Their terrain issues just alone. We're not even getting into the Viet Cong yet. Just the mountains, the swamps, the ups, the downs, all of these things. Remember Lieutenant Dan? What's the first thing he told Forrest Gump and, and, and Bubba, Forrest and Bubba, um, when, when they got off the, the airplane there to see Lieutenant Dan, Gary Sinise? First thing he said was be sure you pack two pairs of socks, keep your feet clean. That's a huge thing. The jungle rot, the amputations, the infections. Again, we're not even getting to the enemy yet. This is just what happens. You won't get that over here if you fight us. You ever had just nasty wet feet for a day? It's, it becomes very dangerous. So you're just keeping your feet clean for crying out loud. And then the other things that come with it, the giant centipedes. They bit so many people. They're not deadly. They can be. But boy, if you're already sick or ill and you get knocked by one of those, you're going down. Those things are as poisonous as any other snake. Weaver ants. Go Google what a weaver ant is. My God. All right. The white lip viper killed hundreds of our guys over there. Hundreds. Not thousands, but hundreds. One of the most poisonous snakes in the world. Saltwater crocodiles everywhere. The yellow sack spider. Google that thing. And a gar. What's a gar? Basically a water buffalo. The males look like they have 50 packs. Go look at what a gar is. It's a bull built like a freight train. They're just as dangerous as the water buffalo we talked about years ago on, or weeks ago on big game hunting over in Africa. It's basically comparing a lion to a tiger. One's a little bigger. Both are very dangerous. And they mauled plenty of people. The training aspect was so different, and these guys, the Viet Cong was proficient in, uh, they were marksmen. They could shoot extremely well, okay? And you didn't know where it was coming from. Tunnels, trees, they were snipers, were really good. Go watch all those Vietnam movies. Their snipers were good, okay? This is a very formidable army. We'll get into how they were commanded in a second. They also were extremely proficient with their bayonet, way more than we were. Again, they've been training forever. They killed so many of us by not by their spear, basically, the bayonet. And then if they didn't have that, they were proficient. They were amazing with the field knife. Standard issued seven and a half inch field knife, the ones they used over there. And they cut through so many of us. If they got personal, this was an intimate war too. This wasn't fought with drones. This is one of the last really intimate wars where people actually died in hand-to-hand combat. And they knew how to use those knives. We were no match. And if they didn't have a knife, goes all the way down to hand-to-hand combat. I mean, I guess this is appropriating an Asian, but they all knew some form of martial arts. And there's good record of them breaking necks, disabling people, jump kicks. I'm serious. They, they, they could fight, man. 
Planes, trains, and automobiles, well, guns, bayonets, knives, and fists and feet. And these guys could go. Uh, they were commanded by probably one of the most prolific strategists. Is that even a word? What's, what did Bush say? Strategery? Strategists? Yep. Uh, the 20th century has ever seen in the history of field military combat and tactics. Vohingeit was, for what he was, amazing. Also a communist politician as well as the general. He was the equivalent to Heinrich Himmler of the Vietnam War. Deputy president from 1955 to 91 jumped in under Ho Chi Minh. You may remember something called the Ho Chi Minh Empire slash dynasty. He was definitely involved in that. One of the greatest military strategists the world has ever seen. He incorporated the art of war in nearly anything and everything he did. And you can talk. I wish I could. I didn't talk to General Westmoreland about it, but this was his opponent. Obviously, you don't talk to any Vietnam vet about Vietnam. I found out the hard way years ago. They don't want to talk about it, and you don't want to hear it. The shit they saw, you're, you're good. You don't want to hear it, all right? And I can only imagine these asshole American citizens hitting them with potatoes as they get off an airplane. They got drafted. I would have been at these anti-war rallies fighting the anti-war people. Not that I'm pro-war, but they got drafted to go over there. You idiots. Oh, I would have been in trouble in the late 60s or in the 70s. Just the first wave of true American woke cuckoldry. All started at Cal Berkeley. You remember Jenny and the Black Panther part. Sorry to disturb you, Black Panther Party. Forrest Gump with that cuck white guy. They couldn't have nailed that anymore. A guy, a white guy that hates white people, that beats his wife. Yeah, just beats up Jenny with everybody else. He's probably the one that gave her AIDS. And how come Jenny's having sex with Forrest when she knows she has AIDS? Did she have AIDS or was it Hep C? Was it implied? You think you wouldn't want to have sex with a mentally challenged? Uh, you know what? That's a whole other podcast in its own. Jenny's a horrible person. The more I think about it, yeah, terrible. Belts. That's that's great story about the Vietnam. Well, I'm glad you know. Here we go. Ask the question. I'm glad you asked. Yes, and you'll cuck. Yes, per usual. We know. The point is, is that we were not ready. For that home field. It does a lot. It did a lot to us. All right. It was tough. Even though we controlled the air and could napalm a city block, we get it. But they, the Vietnamese lost that battle of Hue the way they did because they were out of their element. It was not in the woods. It was out in the open. They didn't want to fight us in the open. Oh, no, no. You can't fight us. Traditionally, they had to fight us like the Navy or the Army. They had to run these ridiculous offenses, the triple option, the veer, things of that nature. And when you do it correctly, you can't stop it. I watched the Navy when I was living in Colorado play four, the fourth-ranked team at the time early in the year was Ohio State, who sent half their defense to play on Sunday. They could not stop the Navy. When, you, when this offense makes their blocks and they have the right personnel, it's four yards a pop all day, every day. Get used to it. They're going to hold the ball 80% of the game. This is how it is. Well, in this case, too, when the Vietnamese executed what they did up there, you know, the way they did it in Vietnam, not up there, the North Park, but when they did it down in the South, they were unstoppable. There is a team right now that is going to have to deal with something they have not seen all year. And if you'll bear with me here, I will make perfect sense to what I'm trying to explain. Indiana, the University of Indiana. Indiana is kind of an underrated football team. Indiana, you'll see, is 0-2. Well, they probably started off with two of the hardest games 
so far next to, let's say, Tulane, going to Oklahoma and to Ole Miss outside of conference. Well, Indiana opened up with Iowa, who we clearly see is a rough customer defensively. They're pretty damn good. And they held them to six. And then we see they only scored 24 versus Cincinnati. You had to watch that game. Cincinnati, very, very fortunate. Uh, big kick return. They have athletes uh, after a great drive by Indiana. Also, Indiana fumbled the ball uh, once inside the 50, once inside the five. I think they also had a pick in the end zone. Uh, not to say that's not timely defense by Cincinnati. I'm just saying they could have put up a lot more uh, than they did. They have the athletes on that team, clearly. And their quarterback, Penix, is going to be the big question mark. They are sticking with him for this game. And really, to set up what I like, it really simply could not have gone much better. Uh I believe, in my humble opinion, that this offense will be able to click. Some miscues they had, clearly, at least I could see from where I am, this football team is going to be pretty good offensively throughout the years with this new system, their program, and this coach. But with that being said, they travel to Western Kentucky. That's right. For the third week in a row, I'll be talking about Bailey Zappi and Western Kentucky. Now, you're probably thinking, if you didn't know, Western Kentucky is going to Indiana and I probably am taking the points because they're going to be a dog and Bailey Zappi and all that. Well, no. Actually, that is not the case. Indiana's traveling to Bowling Green, Kentucky, to play Western Kentucky. And a night game, Saturday night, and that stadium is going to be absolutely packed. Indiana has yet to see an offense quite like this, and I don't think many teams understand exactly what they're looking at when they see Western Kentucky coming off a bye having two weeks to get ready for this. I'm telling you, this is the game of the year for the Sports Antelope. There is ungodly amount of money already posted on this. You'll see the montage on Instagram. People are coming at it. People I know, people I don't know. The line is down to eight. Opened up double digits. Western Kentucky, a big home dog. People have bet Western Kentucky. The secret's out. The gig is in. This is probably the last time we'll be able to catch them as some sort of discount as they give us two wins and the cumulative record of the 11-4 and four, the podcast is. Bailey Zappi at home loves this field. He even said, I don't know why, but this field was built for me. That sounds like a bunch of baloney. Obviously, we know it is. But he's very comfortable at Western Kentucky. Bailey Zappi all about himself. Follow him on Instagram. Clearly, he wants to get his. Posting his stats. Rick Shaw turned me on to his being... Crazy on Instagram talking about his stats and this, that, and the other. Do I do I like it? No, I love it. Get yours, kid. You're going to need all of it because you're going to be on national television on a night game versus a P5 school who is going to score on Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky will not stop those athletes. They will not stop Penix. And I'm telling you, there will be points in this game. We're going to the over. The sports antidote play of the year equivalent to the two-lane play last year. We're going all in, and we're taking the over at 62 I personally got it at 61, posted it at 62. Now it sits at 64 on the web. We're going on the play on the, on, the, on the Instagram page at 62. This will only go up. There is no doubt about it. This is listening to Indiana's coach was a very big tell on what they're going to do. They're going to stay with Penix, although he was very uh, controversial and inconsistent in the first two games of the year. Again, that's first two of the top 10 defenses in the country. Give the kid a break. And I guarantee you, as the coach reaffirmed for Indiana, they're not playing panics in this game to run the football. They're going to get his reps in. He's throwing the ball. There's going to be chunk plays. Western Kentucky hardly even gets in a damn huddle. You can clearly see where I'm looking at this to be a blind over 90 to 100 points, maybe farther than that. 
As far as I'm concerned, the first team to win 56 wins. The team totals are right. Indiana's at 36. Uh, Western Kentucky at 27 and a half. How can both those teams? If Indiana doesn't score 40-something, this game goes under by a mile, and I don't think it will. This is a different terrain for Indiana. I've seen what happens when these P5 teams come to smaller schools. We've talked about it ad nauseum, and it's just a different feel for them. But the main thing is the other teams, their firefight offensively, typically can get to where they need to be. So that is why we, in this situation, we are taking the play of the year. Once again, over 62. The game is on CBS Sports. Bailey Zappi will be fired up for this game, and so will the rest of that offense. They're looking to score, and that offensive coordinator who transferred from Houston Baptist with Zappi is not trying to run the ball. He's not trying to stay at Western Kentucky. He's trying to get his, too. Look for over 100 combined pass attempts in this football game, over 62. Texas San Antonio beat beep the Roadrunners, bitch. Should have taken them last week. They gave up two late touchdowns to Middle Tennessee State. But other than that, this team does not give up anything. They are a freight train. They're over eight wins, looking sexier by the day. And what a great setup. They're playing Memphis. It opens up at five. We talked about five. Wait, what? That's the craziest line, especially for a dog to open up at, particularly on the road. And they are opening up at five. Goes to three and a half overnight. We got it at three and a half on the Instagram page. And that is what we're going with. They go travel to Memphis. Memphis coming off the biggest win they've had in quite some time in one of the poorest officiated games I've ever seen in my life as Memphis slips away from Mississippi State for the win. And now they go to Memphis, who's coming off this win. You think they're really fired up for this game? They might be now. I know I am. Give me Texas San Antonio. And it's not just Frank Harris. What a, what a lunch pail quarterback named Frank Harris. He should be playing in the Big Ten. He should play for Iowa. Frank Harris from Iowa. That sounds about right. But uh, we know also Sincere McCormick, one of the toughest running backs, would have led the league in rushing last year. Iowa State had one more game on them. He is They run the offense through him. It's an old-school team. They run the ball. They play defense. They'll be in every game they play. And they slaughtered Illinois, which isn't saying too much. But then Illinois almost beat Maryland. Transitive property. I guess UTSA should be playing in the ACC or in the Big Ten. Excuse me. So anyway, we're taking UTSA plus the three and a half. Texas State. Eastern Michigan, here's a great one. Brady McBride for Texas State, the quarterback. This is going to be QB on QB. We like Texas State quarterback a lot, Brady McBride. And it looks as though that Eastern Michigan's finally figured out who their quarterback is. They're going with Ben Bryant. He's been switching time with Hutchinson. Bryant, Ken Go had a great week last week versus UMass. We're looking for points in this game, too. Texas State, Eastern Michigan over 61. That's now at 62. And finally, Florida State, Cunningham. They're going to play Louisville. We love Cunningham. And we like Florida State's ability to score if they can just finally execute inside the 25. But you got a problem stopping that bum from Wake Forest. You're going to have a big time stopping this guy. I don't. How, I guess I don't quite know how to bet FSU at this point. I mean, it's almost... Why is the music... You're killing the Milan music, Mr. Producer. Let it roll. You're killing me, man. So uh, if Texas State had problems last week, or excuse me, Florida State had problems last week, they're going to have major problems this week. And I still think te- I still think Florida State can move the football. I don't know who's going to play, the brother or the gimp. But either way, one of them two is going to get it done, or maybe they'll both play. Quick recap, we're taking beep, beep, bitch, UTSA, the Roadrunners, plus three and a half at Memphis. We're taking Florida State, Louisville, over the 62 points. We're taking Texas State, Eastern Michigan, over the 61 We're going to be looking at Incarnate Word as Cam Ward continues to destroy everything. The Instagram page, check it out. We'll be posting an over probably for them playing McNeese. And the play of the year for the sports antidote, Western Kentucky, Indiana, 
over the 62. Steve Adler. Never heard of him? Well, he's a cuck, and he's the mayor of Austin. And he's also a white bitch. Recently deleted tweet from him, of course, probably drunk, talking about how Austin will take in all of the refugees. Then he was asked, from Mexico, then asked if they would have to be vaccinated. He said, absolutely not. Yet, you still need vaccine passports in that ludicrous city that has gone to shit. Just explain to me how you can come in this country, untaxed paying citizen, you're not going to... And, and look, let me tell you something. A lot of the guys that come here, some of them are very dangerous. Some of them are terrorists. Yes, like I've said before, you can't... If you're a terrorist and you want to come here, you can't exactly fly into JFK, okay? You, know, you come in through Mexico. Happens all the time. Talk to anybody in Homeland, they'll tell you, all right? That movie Scario or Subcario, whatever the hell, they alluded to that in the initial one. I know I've talked about that before. But to, to why do I have to be vaccinated, but yet you don't, and yet you can all of a sudden vote and there's programs for you where you, that's how California, they brag about they're taking in so many citizens. You're losing the middle class tax paying citizens and you're gaining people that aren't going to put into the system. Okay. You're right. And you're giving the money to do it. Triple whammy. And I don't care what color you are. I, I think everyone and anyone should be able to come in this country if they qualify as in. You know, not a fella, not a bad person looking to find a job to pay into the system that is already broken over here. I'm all about it when it's done the right way. I just can't move to goddamn Germany and start working. I have to get papers, a visa, a work visa. They have to vet me. God, did you, I mean, how stupid are people? And this idiot is over here saying, oh, it's fine. But yet I have to get back. It's one or all more segregation. Adler, you're the biggest cuck I've ever seen in my life. That's not true, but you're close. I'm running out of seats at the table for white bitch of the year, so I have to wait for something more white bitch worthy to happen. So you're not invited to the awards banquet mid-December for white bitch of the year. But boy, you come on here one more time and you, I'll kick somebody out to get you in. I'll sit you right next to Stan Van Wokey. Speaking of which, be sure and follow our new Twitter handle, Twitter handle Dan Van Gundy one at Dan Van Gundy one May or not be me, I don't know. Check out at Dan Van Gundy one might be a parody count, might not be. I, I don't know. If you want to see some good old-fashioned trolling of an ex-cuckled NBA coach, you'll like that Twitter follow. If you're bored, follow me at Danny Belts on Twitter. I don't really do much Twitter. But definitely follow us on Instagram and tell somebody about the sports handed. Anyway, Adler, you're a white bitch of the week. World needs plenty of bartenders. Two weeks with pay. Good. The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. Bro Exotic joins the Sports Antidote here, episode number 67. What's going on there, pal? What's going on, dude? Bro Exotic, uh, Woke Cardinal, Second Command of Cow, Church of Woke. What's going on, dude? Sick. Nothing, man. I'm just uh, over here in the studio, uh, banging things out. Looking forward to this discussion. Uh, your draft last week was sensational. Um, we are, I don't know what you want to get into, this or that. You can lead it, but uh, if you want to give us a quick update 
on how your Wokesy draft team's doing. We're all ears after last week. But anyway, floor is yours, man. What's up? Yeah, actually, dude, I wanted to uh, talk more about just uh, specifically my quarterback, uh, Alexandra Cossier-Cortez. Uh, dude, just uh, coming out the gate, going on that away game at the Met Gala, dude, she uh, she followed up with another strong away game uh, going to this year's gala. That would be the Taliban Gala. Uh, she went over there. She had a great time. Uh, she was sporting a dress uh, that said uh, castrate women abusers. So uh, just a really, really great uh, opportunity to promote women's rights at the Taliban Gala. Wait, you said castrate women abusers? Yeah. Why would she wear that at a Taliban Gala? Oh, I don't know. It makes about as much sense as tax the rich at the Met Gala. So. I guess uh, you're right. That's incredible. So what did, she had to give you at least 40 points for that one. I mean, she's hanging out with the Taliban. Yeah, you know? dude, it was – it was pretty cool, dude. I mean, like, uh, she wore – I mean, like, really the Taliban gala is, like it, – it's a different day for uh, Muslims in that area, dude. You know how, like, the uh, the Amish have rumspringa, which is, like, when you – it's a coming of age where you can just kind of, like, you know, do what you want, you know, live amongst the English, drink, party, and everything. Well, the Taliban gala is really the same thing for the Muslims over there, dude. It's a place for a Taliban to be a Taliban. Wow. So what are they – and they indulge in adult beverages at this? No, I mean, like, more so it's, like, a place for, like, the, it's a day for the Taliban to, know, you know, like, not behead gays for being gay. Oh, or, I you see. Know, yeah. It's a day where they can allow women to be educated and things like that, you know. Oh, so they didn't beat the shit out of AOC and rape her because that's typically no. what they do. What's what I've heard. So they didn't. Exactly, exactly dude. So, yeah, they just let not her go. Good, actually, good. They actually got a uh, good kick out of it because, like, they only just read the first two lines that said castrate women. Uh, so they were kind of liking that one. Uh, you know, big fan of that dress. <laughs> I bet they were. Well, I'm glad AOC was able to get out all right, even though we're not a fan of her. We don't want to see any, of course, bodily harm. I was kind of wondering when I saw that picture you posted on Instagram, uh, you know, on your Instagram handle. I think most people thought that that picture was fake. But who are you to make fake? What do you make memes? All you do is post the news on no, your. Yeah. I don't understand the disrespect of why people think that you're not a, a trusted news source. You're the second in command of the Church of Woke. You, what are you? What are you out there making fake? I mean, yeah. no, come on, no, man. I was much as integrity as CNN. You know, I'm on, I'm the woker Don Lemon. You know, yeah. Except you're white, but you hate yourself, and he hates white people, even though he's married to one. I'm very confused. Right. So you, right. you see our connection? Yeah, I can't. It's very confusing, yet very not confusing. Well, I think that's great, bro. Did anybody else have a bust-out week for you? I don't think Biden did much for you. Uh, I mean, you continue to get great special teams and defense points from um, Sankey, right? Or How do you yeah, say Jen, your name? Still Jen, Jen Saki. Saki. God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, had, she, she has to be consistent for you, right? She seems to be always defending and blocking. Well, know? she's really good, dude. You know, like, uh, she's, she's really uh, big on defending the illegal immigrants now that she thinks that they're getting whipped by uh, men on horseback. Uh uh, it turns out that they were uh, horse reins. Uh, so she, uh, her defense really didn't come up too great this week. Uh, <laughs> she's made a complete fool of herself. But, uh, you know, it's right. It's can't always you, next week. Can't you still get points for that in the Wokey I don't know. You explained the rules to me. It was very confusing, much like, much like you. But anyway, man, look, I appreciate you jumping on. Anything else? Did I miss anything? Or are you good? Uh, I think we're good here, dude. Uh, can't wait to see what, uh, what AOC does in, uh, moving forward. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of tough away games, you know, coming up. So, we'll, do you uh, plan we'll... on keeping her as your starting quarterback? Uh, dude, she's putting up spectacular numbers, man. Um, like I said, dude, she's uh she's always all over uh 
Instagram for social media or for social justice. I mean, um, you know, averaging about 30 of those a week. So, I mean, she's looking good. Dude. She puts up consistent numbers every week. So I think she's going to stay as my starter. Uh, quick question for you. Um, and thank you. Um, in the MAGA draft, as you know, there is a MAGA draft. And now that you're not about that action, um, mine's not looking too good. But you can do weekly MAGA drafts. And I was looking at Herschel Walker um, in the MAGA draft. How do you feel about Herschel Walker? Is that worth it or, or no? Is well, the church awoke concerned about him? You know, a black man running for Senate and all? Yeah, we just, we just continue to hope he stays in the IR. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, I just the IR of the MAGA draft. Well, we're getting really deep into the rabbit hole. All right, bro, Exotic, man. We appreciate, uh, appreciate your time and your efforts. And uh, we look forward to having you back on next week. Sounds good, pal. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, bro, exotic, B R E A U X, exotic. Uh, and uh, no joke, stay with, bro. Stay woke, pal. We'll see you. All right, man. Take care. (laughs) Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote episode number 67. We'll have Bench back on next week. Thanks to Bro Exotic. Remember the picks, UTSA plus three and a half, FSU, Louisville over 62, Texas State, Eastern Michigan over 61, and the play of the year, Western Kentucky, Indiana over the 62. Be sure and jump in next week for episode 68. You keep it real, Anadotions!